Now prepare yourself for a deep dive with Derek. Let's go. The first of many podcasts to come, so uh, <laughs> it's okay if it's not uh, polished the first time, right? You have to do a rough yeah. draft and work on it. And, uh... Of course. I mean, Joe Rogan is at his, I don't know, which like five, three thousand, something like, like uh, I don't know, crazy. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a beast, man. He puts out what, like at least four or five a week. I don't know how he does it. That's, I'm sure he's not doing any of the video editing or anything himself. It's all Jamie doing it. So. I think it's just that, like he, like he knows a lot of people and he has a lot of connections. So he, like he has this platform, and uh, I, I, I guess a lot of people find it appealing. So naturally, he kind of become famous uh, through it. Of course, like Joe Rogan, I guess was famous beforehand too. He wasn't. He's not my cup of tea, I would say. But I watched like a couple of it, like with Kanye or. I don't remember which one did I watch. It's a bit intense, I would say. I, I don't think I will be able to watch the whole thing. Like, how can people watch all of them every week? <laughs> I, I don't I don't really watch personally. I've never been a big fan. <clears throat> I'm recording this, obviously, but I'm more of a listen to podcasts listen, kind of guy. Yeah. Because yeah. it's good that he puts out so many, but a lot of them are with his comedian friends, which is great. But then you don't really get that, I don't know, that connection. I don't connect with a stand-up comedian necessarily, right? So I'll have jokes and stories is fun, but I like the ones uh, that are focused on health or focused on uh, technology. I mean, he had Elon Musk on there at one point. He often talks to doctors about like uh, longevity, uh, Audrey de, de, de Bray and everything for you yeah. know trying to solve the the, the disease of uh, of um, I guess natural aging, the disease of death, pretty much. So I don't know. He has some some cool ones on there, but like you said, he did it for ten years. I think if you do anything for ten years. You get good at it. You get to maybe you're almost bored too, right? I mean, <laughs> it's like people saying that playing the same video game for 10 years after a while, you kind of want to start doing something new. Yeah, I, I guess that's something like you kind of realize as you grow up. I don't know. I, that's just me, maybe personally. When I was a child, like everything was so scary, like playing sports or doing something. Because if I wasn't naturally good at something, I was kind of like not not being interested in and uh, as i grow up i realized oh if i started doing that when i was i don't know 10 i would be super good at it by now so and, and right now i'm not good at it or like i'm not doing anything related to it but in the past i should have been i guess more patient and accepting but i guess when you're a child you just kind of want everything to be a bit more perfect and a bit more like in movies because that's what you <laughs> see and watch all the time. That's true. I'm really shaped by by society and by what <clears throat> we feel is expected from us, right? Are we supposed to become business people? Are we supposed to become entrepreneurs? What is the, the feel of, you know, what's our life mission supposed to be? But that wisdom that you've gained, you know what I mean? The, the better question now becomes, are you or will you apply that moving forward? Right. Yeah, that that's the tough thing about having wisdom because like or like having awareness, like you're aware of it, but how much control or interference can you have in the process of realizing this? I think like like you said, I think that's the real question because just realizing and not doing anything about it is like um it's painful. It's it's worse <laughs> than not realizing, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> 
Plus, the worst thing you could do, I think, is realizing it and then you know, you feel the 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 pain or judgment or whatever you want to call it of yeah. not having done it when you were younger. You're not an NBA player, Hakan, so you know yeah. you didn't work hard enough at your three point shot. <laughs> um, but then, right now, let's say you want to become the next great podcaster, the next great uh, I don't know uh, e gamer, whatever, right? Um, are you doing that? Are you are you doing what you need to do? You know what I mean. So if you're gonna feel the bad feeling of judgment, you should at least you know, feel good and do something about it now. You can, you should use it or forget about it. Like yeah, why do we exactly. get around with us that don't help us, right? Yeah, I guess like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess I have some little resentments, like not being able to play an instrument. But at the same time, I'm not like super like sad about it or anything. That's why I'm not like doing anything much about it. But at the same time, there's always a desire but I guess I don't know. Like I, I think like at the moment I, I just see life as like a dynamic thing, as you know, growing up as a person, realizing things, learning things, and doing actual things like you know, playing, doing that sport or playing that instrument. Because when you were a child, you're like you either do it or don't do it, and you don't think about it. But as you grow up, you think about everything in a more complex way, and that can like hinder. Uh, your you know decision process because you don't have your parents to make decisions for you anymore so i guess to me right now is everything is about accepting who i am and as i accept it building on it if i don't accept myself it just if i just act like i was 10 and if i should feel if i just feel like i should do this and just work on it i feel demotivated after a while like that's i don't know it's I don't know. It's kind of hard to <laughs> explain, I guess. But um, what do you mean uh, by by um, accept? You mean accept that, like, you are who you are, and no matter how much you might wish that you had practiced basketball when you were younger, you didn't, and you have to accept that you are at the point of your life that you're in. Or do you mean just accept yourself for your your behaviors and the way that you act and and generally view life? Um, I think it's more like, oh yeah, in the past you didn't do it. That's okay. You can do it eventually kind of acceptance, you know, mm -hmm. not like, uh, you, this is who, who you are. You don't have to do it. Not like that. It's still motivating. It's still, I guess, constructive, but, um, it's about a bit being easy on yourself. Uh, but at the same time, you have to find a way to make yourself move, I guess. And, um, to me, like I, I realized, for example, moving to Vancouver uh, was something that obviously changed me because, you know, like living in a different place always, I think, affects your habits per personality just a little bit, maybe not that much, but a little bit. Um, and I appreciate that. Like, you know, I feel more active in Vancouver. I mean, mm -hmm. you've probably got that feeling when you're there, when you are there. So, uh, what I'm trying to say is, like in Montreal, if I if I'm demotivated to be active, I don't I shouldn't be too hard on myself because if I move to Vancouver and if I feel the urge of being more active naturally, I think that's a good progression. You know, it's it's not just about me; it's about the area that I'm living around mm -hmm. might be the problem. It's not just I'm not just the problem. So. In that case, I can think of moving somewhere else or, you know, 
if I'm going to stay in Montreal, maybe I should change my perspective. You know, things like that. I, I think that's what I was trying to say. Like naturally, if something if something is going to happen, it kind of happens in my life. Uh, that's what it's accepting to me. You know, you know. Interesting. You're talking about <clears throat> Vancouver, and I'd love your perspective. Uh, you know, differences between BC or Vancouver area and Montreal coming from somebody who's had a chance to to see both and not have been born into either one of them. So you don't have as much of a bias, right? I'd love to hear that after. But before we go there, I'm kind of curious about, um, like, you went to Vancouver for how long? About a, uh, two months now, I think? Uh, it's, uh, three and a half, three and a half okay. months. Yeah. yeah, three and a half months. Do, do you... Do you feel as if the honeymoon period wore off and you're getting an accurate picture, or do you feel that it's still kind of like, um, you know what I mean? You know, you you know, you know yeah. when you go to like a city and you're on vacation, even if you're there for a month, you're kind of like, I have no ties, I don't care, it's not my house, I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. Like, what do you feel was holding you back in Montreal? The weather, um, it's just in terms of activity level. Um, first of all, I would say, yeah, honeymoon period is over, but I still have this comfort in vancouver hmm. which is tied to having a rental apartment like i don't i i really don't care about my apartment in vancouver and that's so liberating mm-hmm. like here if something happens i'm like oh my god i have to fix it i have to find <laughs> someone but there i'm like ah it's not my house i'll just let the the, the uh, landlord know um i i guess that will still make me feel comfortable in the next couple of months but um uh i i guess in in montreal uh i'm i'm not a very winter sports person so when uh november hits i automatically just become more you know uh, i i just spend a lot more time at home like i guess most people does but that difference between uh summer and winter is just like i guess causes me to have a hibernation period yeah, I was say. <laughs> um in vancouver like uh, of course i think the honey pe- honeymoon period ended uh, right around november when we changed the clocks uh it's like i mean vancouver is darker than montreal like that especially during winter hmm. uh but i it was still easy to go outside you know just do something and luckily the gym at my building was open even though there's COVID uh, so <laughs> I was able to be active but here I feel like I'm in the more comfort zone you know mm, I feel yeah. like I, I can just like and, and people here too like life is a bit slower than Vancouver uh, here and uh, people feel sometimes of course I would say Montreal people are more friendly uh, if you live here, but still, like sometimes people like to have their alone time in Mon- Montreal a lot more. Like I, I, that's what I see. Like in Fort Mac, for example, like every week we were just hanging out with friends from McGill or from other universities. But here, like we hang out twice, and the second time it just becomes more of a hassle to make a plan. You know, you just kind of have to push people to hang out especially during winter times mm. um so i i guess that's this speed kind of slows me like this type of shift slows me down yeah 
Uh, and I guess, like, you know, having this McGill uh, past, you know, just being a student, you know, I, I'm, I'm still not 100% off of my McGill self. And, I, of course, that that doesn't mean, that's not, that's not a bad thing. But at the same time, um, there were a lot of habits that I didn't want to have right now associated with my McGill life because you're a student, you just don't care. Um, yeah, I mean, I know it's, it's, it's tough to explain. <laughs> your, your McGill life, when you first got to, to Montreal, what, uh, what were your first impressions when you came here? Like, let's compare life in Montreal compared to life back in Istanbul. <clears throat> um, I would say, um, like, of course, in my first year, I was super amazed. Like, oh, I'm in North America. This is like, I guess, the heart of civilization or something like that <laughs> uh but yeah i mean i think that kind of curtain went away like around uh, january or february um and in comparison to istanbul i think uh like life is a lot faster in istanbul as well um because the distances are far uh People love like eating together, you know, having spending time together, you know, just um, have that active socialization. And although I was a university student, like Montreal felt a little bit less social in a natural way for me because, like, in Istanbul, it was a lot easier to make friends. Like, um, I guess that's a big difference between North American and Turkish people. Like Turkish people, or like I guess Middle Eastern people, can just become friends kind of instantly. Of course, that's not that may not be necessarily a good thing because there can be a lot of backstabbing and you know, uh, letting people down. But friends, and, you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah, friends, you can see at a picnic and have a conversation with, and you know, bear their <laughs> their presence and talk with them in a friendly way. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, in my first year, that that was a hard thing, you know, uh, being friends uh, with North Americans or more white people, I might call. Because, like, I think North Americans require a lot more patience, and they have this long examination period of you to show some trust. Mm. And uh, th- that was hard to adjust, you know, like uh, you, because as I said, I'm. I'm used to be being friends with people quickly so in my first years in mcgill that was the tough thing you know being adjusting to the culture here um luckily uh going to fort mac being more active in um, materials undergrad student society helped and uh, i guess in bba due to my experiences in my last couple years i was lots you know comfortable to socialize with people Makes a lot of sense, especially, uh, I guess, not really a culture shock, but coming to to Montreal as well, where we also have like English and French, and that must have been uh, an interesting challenge. But what, apart from the speed, because the the, the speed of it, I I guess, is how dynamic it is. The speed is the amount of things you do and the the entropy of, of, of socialization. Yeah. But what, apart from that, like, how do you really define Istanbul? Let's let's turn our focus away from Canada and talk more a little bit, a little bit of Turkey. Uh, may, may, maybe we can start by uh, giving me a brief rundown of what you think, maybe a five to ten minute 
history of Turkey as you think I should know it. I mean, I watched some, some stuff before there, but uh, I'd like to take your view on what should I know about Turkey? Like, take home message. This is really important about our history, our culture, our anything. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I guess I can say, although like how most of Turkey is in Asia, Istanbul is still um, 50% European city, no matter what. It has that European influence coming from the Ottoman times. And um, a lot of people who have the privilege to be aware of it and be educated about our culture uh, want to keep this European side of things. And uh, so you have this like clash of cultures uh, due to this existing European culture on top of immigration from uh, Eastern Turkey. And so you have this like special city uh, consists of all cultures from Anatolia, like the, the, the mainland, uh, the Asian side of Turkey. Um, and uh, I, I guess like it, it just makes you more of a world citizen, I would say. Like I, I believe like uh, a middle class or upper middle class person from uh, Istanbul would probably have a broader vision of the world than a generic North American person, I would say. Like, not in an insulting way, but I think it's just the things that you deal with in Istanbul is so much more bizarre than here. Like, um, for example, even when you're taking the public transportation, you have to think, oh, I have to take this bus, I have to sit there, I have to be careful, I have to... Uh, you know, you just calculate everything in Istanbul to be safe and in order to save money and in, in order to save time. So there's that, like, I think, like, uh, as an Istanbul citizen, you just grow these reflexes that a Montreal person sh don't have to, you know. And uh, I guess overall, uh, I see, like, if I, I see, like, uh, some people from Istanbul being you know, wiser and um, maybe a bit more mature about life uh, mm. when you compare it uh, Montreal. Um, of course, it's it's like one big thing that is different is in Istanbul or in Turkey, uh, life is more about enjoying. Um, but to me, Montreal or like when North America was, you know, being colonized, everything was more about survival, like survival, you know, because... You get these diseases from, you know, <laughs> random geography. Like you, there are food that you never ate, eaten. The weather is super cold. So that's that's how I see Canadians. Mm. That's like uh, I, I see Canadians a lot more health obsessed. Not maybe Quebecois, Quebecois. Like I think relatively eat a little bit less healthy, but <laughs> maybe on like Ontario or uh, BC people. And uh, I mean, maybe that's not a <laughs> good uh, prediction, but that was my prediction. Like to me, North Americans live to survive, you know, as much as they can. But I think people in Europe or people in Turkey live life to enjoy. Like um, Turkish people eat most bread in the world. Like we eat meat most of the time. Or, you know, of course we have our culinary like as side, which we eat mostly um you know greek style food uh you know with olive oil they're mm. relatively healthy but <laughs> at the end of the day uh turkish people have this 
um, side of living like there is no tomorrow. Uh, but but that makes sense to me though from what you said. <clears throat> if we take a look at let's just say Turkey, Canada, U.S. Um, in a place where you are, and, and I would say we're almost coddled here in North America, we're not, we, we don't know what death really is. So kids are scared of monsters more than the bomb that can go off next door. Yeah. Their parents don't have to tell them about all the, the, the hardships that are, that are in the world. So you kind of grow up with less of a reverence for life, right? Uh, you're more afraid to lose it than, you know, appreciative that today you're still waking up and you're alive. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure right now in Istanbul, it's a lot more safe, but since there was like revolts in the 60s, 70s and 80s, I think there was like political attacks on both sides. It was instability after World yeah, War yeah. II, like in most of the world, where guess where the instability was, right? The instability, yeah. they wrote the new world order. The US got uh, their, their great new deal. And all of a sudden everybody else, even, even Turkey started losing parts of, 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 um, of Turkey after 1945 and everything, right? So you have to appreciate life more. I think when you have that face-to-face with knowing where to sit to be, to, to, to be comfortable, knowing how to be safe, you're going to enjoy life more. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're kind of like your, your operating window of what you know as hardships in the world. Well, you get a lot more, I guess, perspective of yeah. this incident right now. Uh, this happened to me and it doesn't really matter because I'm alive. I'm well, my family's happy. So let's go enjoy life and enjoy every exactly. day instead of worrying about the rat race that we're, we're trying to do. Right. Like, I don't know. And that seems cynical to say that we're living in a, in a, in a, rat maze and whatever here in North America, but I mean, there's a reason why obesity is a bigger epidemic than starvation right now in the world. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, I guess like I'm also, my perspectives are also biased because when I left Turkey, I was 19 years old, barely 19 years old. Like I was literally a kid right now. Mm-hmm. I'm like oh, 26. Of course, uh, I'm obviously young, but uh, I had so much growth in the last seven years. And I guess like I'm, I'm, I, I became an adult in Canada rather than Turkey, so there's that like difference of uh, perception. Because in in my Istanbul life or in my Turkey life, there was always like health problems, you know, because I was a child and you know, like in my childhood I had like issues and stuff. I had surgeries. Um, I have a my dad's side has a big family. Like I've seen like death, losing like old uh, relatives but when i moved to canada it was like a totally new life and in my new life like all my relatives they're not my relatives they're all my friends who are around the same age as me so my canadian life um is safer like uh, feels less um real sometimes because like in canada i don't worry about my uh, I don't think about my parents' health all the time, but obviously I think about it now. Uh, but but when I go to Turkey, I'm a lot more concerned because I, I live with them, I stay with them, you know, I spend all my time with them. So, yeah, going back to Turkey makes me feel like um, I'm back at my reality, which I escape because I feel like I don't have much control over it. Um, so there's this big bias, <laughs> obviously, to... Uh, but yeah, you're definitely right. You know, like um, having like these type of concerns uh, or you know, uh, political and global, just makes you want to enjoy your life because you realize you don't have much control over it. 
Have you ever traveled uh, Eastern in Turkey, more towards, uh, what, I think Eastern is where the Syrian border is, right? Uh, yeah, Southeastern. Southeast? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, like that's, <laughs> that's also one thing because like Turkey is like, it's, it's, it's such a, as I said, clash of cultures and mm-hmm. like, e- like seeing each region would make you understand your heritage or your country a bit more. And unfortunately, I didn't go to East that much. Uh, like the most Eastern I've been to, I don't know, maybe Eastern Antalya or something, but Antalya is just in Mediterranean. So I've mostly been in um, White Turks area or like, okay. you know, more privileged people area. Yeah. Of course, my, like, I mean, Antalya is uh, very mixed. It's like, I was making this comparison to my friend the other day. It's like Florida, you know, it's like a blue-red state. Like, sometimes it's a supporter of um, AKP, like the ruling party. Sometimes it supports the uh, CHP. It's the opposing main opposing party. Uh, the weather is similar, I guess, Florida and Turkey. Uh, are people that crazy? I wouldn't say <laughs> yeah, yes. Like, I mean, um, I, I think people are a bit more normal. But at the same time, it's... it's uh, culture there is very different like my uh, dad is coming from a little village uh, so i've seen poverty a little bit but i was just observing it i wasn't living it Uh, so i had that like reality check since i was a child because my dad wanted me to see it because he came from zero to 100 and uh, i was born into that 100 so he was pushing me to see it and uh, i and i saw it and um and yeah, it's just, I don't know, like uh, in North America, you still see it as well. Like, I mean, I, I think especially around Montreal, like I've seen poverty like in in East Hastings in Vancouver. It's it's one of the worst places I've ever seen, even though I've seen like all fucked up places in uh, Istanbul. Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, like you would say, oh, okay. Like, oh, if East Hastings, how can a place be you know like like I don't you know, shovel it all to one place it kind of makes yeah. sense all there right so yeah nobody I, i'm sorry I, bc is beautiful but one thing i did find is that um especially in the suburbs many areas are very snooty i find you know like the bylaws by, don't get me started we're talking about borders and everything before we're talking about bylaws here people just have very little uh tolerance for something being in their backyard you know what i mean Oh yeah, yeah, we want it. We want these things. We want people to be supported. Just don't build the the housing in my backyard. Don't build it yeah. here. Go build it somewhere else for them. You know. So, I've uh, did you get that feeling in Vancouver? Because I always heard that it was a bit clickish. It was a bit uh, pretentious. Uh, I would say a little bit. Uh, the the nice thing about Vancouver is, like, um, I don't like uh, in the world. Like, I for big problems. I wish I had more power. And for example, in Quebec, this affects my life. Like I wish my immigrant voices were heard more. I wish uh, like Quebecois were a bit more tolerant towards people who are trying to learn French, but I I can't say much about it. I I feel like I'm being confined into a small space where I can't talk. But in British Columbia, you don't have to have this feeling. That's what I like about BC. Of course, there are problems and people are you know, throwing the ball to each other. But at the same time, you can live in this secluded area. Even if you don't make your voice heard, 
nothing changes and this doesn't affect you negatively. But in Quebec, I feel like it does. So that's what I like about Vancouver. But uh, when it comes to, uh, I guess, solving problems, uh, especially like with the homeless, I would like um, they were going to open up a, a addict uh, like center, you know, just to help people out uh, close to where I live. And apparently uh, this governmental body didn't like let people know around the neighborhood and they were just campaigning against not to build it. Okay. Uh, and although I can understand it, it was a, it's a tough situation. So my solution to that is not living in downtown. I mean, it's not the best thing, but at the same time, just think about it. How can a city this rich have this much poor? And like when you live, leave your i don't know glass castle how do you feel about seeing these people like that's what i don't want to live in downtown like like there there are a lot better condos in vancouver downtown but how can like but you just you just walk one block away and you just see poverty worse than montreal and you just feel like wow this is not right there's something wrong and um uh, I, I guess if you're outside, you don't think about this, but I wish there was like a solution to it. It makes sense to go into the downtown area though, right? Because it's the most densely populated area that you can try to get help for, uh, either get help or uh, panhandle for change type thing, right? Because you, you're not going to have a, a big center opening up in, in, in a suburb somewhere where nobody can get to. It's, it's true though, you don't see many homeless people in suburbs. You see them downtown Montreal. But even in the West Island, I've maybe maybe the cops do a better job, or not necessarily a better job, but you know they do a better job of getting people off the streets and getting them the help they need. I think that's the number one thing, right? Is to try to get people the help they need. And I think some people just don't want the help either, right? They want to live on the streets. It's a lifestyle. It might be a lifestyle caused by mental disease. It could be I don't know what. I'm not going to judge because some people want to go live on Mars, right? <laughs> mm. But at a certain point, I think yeah, getting people the help they need and and Downtown is really is really about that, you know. And and you were talking about Vancouver being faster. And I'm a suburb, I'm not boy, I guess, man now. <laughs> but I mean, I, I was born and raised in the suburbs, right? Yeah. I went to Montreal really only when I started McGill. Apart from that, I went downtown to go to Chinatown or see a movie or whatever. So for me, it's always been the slower pace of a suburb compared to like a fast pace of downtown. Yeah. But it's interesting to know that that Vancouver is really that much more dynamic. And Istanbul is even more dynamic, but um, in terms of, this is going to be an ignorant question here, a cultural yeah. ignorant question. You said it was, you have to be careful when you're sitting on the bus of yeah. where to sit. Um, like that little inherent danger or fear that you have. How rampant is that, that, that feeling? What are we talking about really? Because I mean, I could think from one spectrum of like some sort of like right wing US propaganda type thing, trying to show me how dangerous things are and don't travel. Or we, you could watch that show that you're telling me about where everything's nice and rosy. But uh, <laughs> what was the name of that show again, Hakan? Sorry, I forgot. To... Uh, Ethos. Ethos. Yeah. yeah. Ethos. <laughs> it's getting a little plug here on the podcast because you said it was a good show. So <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, all my Turkish friends loved it a lot. Like, um, even the people who don't watch that many shows loved it uh so it's it's obviously a subjective thing but i think among like i don't watch turkish tv shows at all so i think uh 
I, I suggested to a couple other uh, Anglophone friends, you know, like if you want to kind of a little bit understand where I come from and empathize with me more, I, you can give it a shot. <laughs> it's only eight episodes. So oh, it's, on my, it's on my list. It's on my list, definitely. Um, uh, if you come to that uh, bus question, like, I mean, for you, I, I don't know how you would see it, but I guess for me, the story is a little bit more different. Like, um, of course, you got to, like, in Turkey, you have to give your space to old people because there are a lot of old people and they're always outside for some reason. I don't understand why. <laughs> uh, but of course, there are a lot of, unfortunately, poor old people, so they have to go to work or something. Um, like sometimes I avoid sitting next to women because, you know, Turkey is not doing a well job at, uh, gen uh, maintaining gender equality. And of course I, I don't accept the fact that men are, you know, naturally, you know, predators, but I don't want to, you know, kind of scare some random woman just because I'm a man. So like think little things like why would you think about gender equality at bus? But you do because because like that bus, you you are going to the same place with all those people and you gotta respect the people's boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um and also, you know, buses are a lot more <laughs> crowded, so you have to push people, you have to <laughs> you have to be strategic. <laughs> but as a tourist, I think like you you wouldn't feel that much but um i remember like when when going to high school taking a, a bus or something like um i had to be careful uh sometimes like the bus drivers didn't want to charge me the student fee because i looked older so i had disputes with them okay. i was showing my student card they weren't accepting it i was yelling it's like you know little things like that like it, it's more there it's more like smack you know if something happens it happens like in canada it's a lot passive aggressive people leave it to the end like for example if there's a problem you don't hear it at that time it just mm. builds up builds up builds up and if someone has a problem especially in quebec they just yell out of you at the end why don't you tell me at the beginning i, I don't know it's just <laughs> but in turkey it's yelling from the start so, <laughs> skip all that other foreplay just jump right to the yellow just run yeah exactly it's it's like drama immediately mm. um and and that that's that's tiring uh but i guess that was a reality <laughs> in living in istanbul sounds like there's some benefits to that like you're talking about before right there's benefits to to not keeping it pent up and letting out your your thoughts, but you know, just getting angry right away from the beginning sounds like a lot of fights would break out that way. Are there? Do you find there's more like fights that break out in Istanbul than Montreal? And yeah, let's not was, count yeah. like gang violence and stuff like that, because yeah, obviously yeah. there's always going to be that in any town. But um, like I would say in poor sections or in less educated sections, it will be so easy to pick a fight. Like if someone just didn't like your face and if they just hit you with the shoulder while walking, for example, just to intimidate you. And if you react to that, you will get in a fight immediately. Like, mm. for yeah, I mean, if you go to a borough where they don't know your face or, you know, you look, you look like rich or you look different, some guy just may want to pick a fight with you because, like, he had a fight with his wife yesterday because he didn't, he spent too much time 
uh, at a cafe playing and gambling <laughs> with his old buddies. <laughs> you know, things things like that are just oh yeah, you just accept it. Um, but yeah, I mean. Okay, so it's I, I like a culture where among friends type thing, it would be normal to have a picnic with 10 people and two guys start pushing each other and getting each other's faces. That's not like a common thing you'd see at like a Mount Royal type thing. Uh, Yeah, I, w- I would say so. Like, I mean, you wouldn't like see people fighting like at that all the time, but even at a, you know, celebration or something when there's, of course, alcohol pushes people to be aggressive too, but like, I don't know. I haven't attended to a wedding or something, but most of the weddings I attended to, there was always some you know, drama. Like, of course, not maybe physical, but like unnecessary, like you know, banter among people and hmm. stuff like that. Or even with friendships, like we were. I was just mentioning at the beginning, like um, for example, like these two people became super close within a couple of months, and then. They just say the worst things behind their backs in the next couple of months. You know, you never know. Like, there's like, there's this. I I don't think like Turkish people like uh, control their emotions much. They're, they're we are very emotion driven in comparison to uh, North Americans. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice little um, lesson on on Turkey I'm getting here. <laughs> sounds sounds pretty much the same though from what you're saying, and I think I think most people in most places across the world, generally the average person is kind of dealing with the same things, right? Of course, environment shapes you. You're talking about the more poor areas. I've I've noticed that three or four times that we're talking about the more poor areas that tend to have that that need for more competition, for more aggression, for yeah. more, which is unfortunate, but it's true, right? Because the less you have, the more motivation you have to try to go get something to to get it and find a way and you know the world's not set up to to be equal for everybody right definitely i mean yeah i think one of the reasons why why i'm glad to be living in canada is uh, that competition feeling uh because turkey has like economically feels like us a little bit uh you know you gotta fight for your position and there can be a lot of mob, uh, mobbing, like at the companies, you know, where you work. You know, if they don't like you, they can force you to quit mm. uh, by you know, playing mind games. But it happened to my in-law, one of my in-laws. Uh, it happened to my brother. You know, like it's just um, things like that. Like I, I guess, like even of course. At schools, I probably assume like competition was always fierce <laughs> in Canada too. But what I don't like uh, stuff in Turkey is, for example, like when someone is good at something or you know educated about something, they just make everything about themselves and they just make like ah oh, I'm I know this best. So what like are we gonna worship you or something? So like that's what I don't like about I guess. That's why I'm, I'm having PTSD over Turkish people. <laughs> like, if I go back to Canada and say, like, in a in a modern environment, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I lived in uh, Montreal for seven. Years. Someone would come up and say, oh yeah, I lived in New York for four years. I studied in that school. Like, I did this. Like, you know, someone would come up and you know step over me. I would say, like, especially in Istanbul, there's they don't have that collaboration feeling anymore like 
in Anatolia, in the Asian side of Turkey. That's the n- nicest things about them because they're more collaborative. They're more about sharing. They're more about hosting. Uh, but like Istanbul is more like, oh yeah, I've been to there. I've seen it. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, mm. <laughs> oh, I've been to Amsterdam. It was a great city. I was like, oh yeah, it's it's not a big deal. It's, it's little. I, I prefer London. Like, uh, it's not about you. It's not about you knowing about it. You know, like you know it and inspire people and let's build on your knowledge and let's accomplish something. But, um, you know, like being like in, in Istanbul, a lot of people uh, are aware of where they are. So when you say, oh, when you connect the dots, even that's not appreciated. You know, you know, like in Turkey, it's hard to get appreciated. I think that's th- that was the main problem why I left. You know, <laughs> that can be frustrating not to not to feel appreciated and also have an environment of trying of one-upsmanship and trying to, you know what I mean? Always top somebody. Oh, I did this. Oh, yeah. Well, I did something better. That's it's not very conductive for for anything. It's, no. Is that more in the, the 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 young community you find, or is that a general atmosphere? Uh, it's the educated community. Like mm. um, the reason why the government has been ruling for eighteen years or almost nineteen years um, is this, you know, because um, educated people are not collaborative. Like they don't think about their counterparts that much, or like you know their peers that much. Uh, they have this like snob mentality. Um, they have this, I don't know, maybe a little bit of French influence uh, during the 19th century. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just guessing. <laughs> um, because, I mean, it, it is true. Like, for example, the best high school in Turkey is an American uh, high school. Uh, it was founded in 19th century by Americans in one of the most beautiful places in Istanbul. Wow. And it, it, it's a great place. Uh, I, I, I've... I wasn't selected. Uh, like you have to pass a super tough exam to get into. And people are from there, for example, like, like you don't like they do things for themselves. They're successful, but you don't see them being uh, prime minister or ministers or president or uh, I don't know mayor. Like they're all doing their own business or they live outside Turkey. Um, they contribute only to their family or to themselves, you know, like there is no, uh, I, I guess, uh, meritocracy uh, in terms of, uh, you know, administration or improving the world. Mm. Um, I, I guess, uh, I, I don't know what, what is the reason for that specifically, um, uh, but I, I guess being suppressed by uh, the poor majority or less educated majority is one of the reasons, you know. Well, it's a mess now, right? I mean, talking about meritocracy, and I'm assuming you mean meritocracy in terms of the fact that the merit system is not lined up in such a way where public service or the good of people and looking out for sustainability or just anything that has to do with well, let's just say human values or human necessities are not placed above productivity, uh, production, um, efficiency, and things like that. You know, like what what the yeah. metrics are for success. You know, like good for you. You open up, up open up another cupcake shop, and people are going to pay for it. 
But is that really what we want in our society? Yeah. More cupcake shops, which means we're going to produce more food. And, you know, like I was astounded to find out that like Germany and a lot of other European nations export their food to Africa and they buy it because it's cheaper to buy imported products in Africa than to buy local produce and the farmers are having a hard time because of globalization. So yeah. um, it's great. Uh, globalization is is helping give internet to people who need internet and, and uh, um, just connecting people. So the world's much more connected than before, right? But at the same time, things get lost, yeah. right? It's much more of a machine. Where's, where's the heart in all this AI type of thing taking over? Where's the human aspect of it? Yeah. And that's where I think nationalism, that's why I think nationalism is really rampant right now. That's where you get Donald Trump posting things like that, that uh, yeah. the Twitter bird. Did you see the Twitter bird he posted? Yeah, little, no, I haven't like, seen it. It's like a little, I'll, I'll post it here after. I don't know, if, maybe not because it'll probably get banned from me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like the little Twitter bird, but it's red and it has that, like the hammer and sickle within it. Ah, okay. Like so it's kind of like, oh, look, uh, communist, uh, <laughs> communist left-wing people are coming to take over and, and everything. But uh, <laughs> But that's why we see that taking power, right? Because you need to have a human aspect in it, right? We were talking about before about Turkey and, and we're mentioning to get an appreciation of your history, right? At a certain yeah. point, like, is it like, what is your history? Because a person living there and their life is completely different from your life in, in Eastern Turkey. Yeah. So like, is completely. you can take a look at your heritage and everything, but at the same time, you necessarily, like, don't you connect with non-Turkish people a lot more than Turkish people sometimes too? It's much more in your yeah, yeah, values definitely. and interests, right? So. Yeah, I mean, one of my closest friends here is from West Island and I'm complete opposite of West Island culture, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> But I mean, through gaming and, you know, enjoying you know, movies and, you know, TV shows, like having the same history of studying at McGill, like makes you like have, makes you have enough things to um, em empathize with. So you just become friends. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough. Like in Turkey, even the president doesn't have a uh, high, uh, bachelor's diploma. Like it's. Of course, school doesn't reflect your success, but uh, if we just finalize our talk on meritocracy, that's what I can say, you know, like, um, and administration is everything in Turkey, you know, like um, government uh, climate uh, dictates a lot of stuff that's going on uh, in Turkey in terms of technology, uh, you know, or improvement overall like if you don't have a educated open-minded administration in turkey you won't have apple turkish version or something or you know something not invented in turkey because um because people don't find i, I don't think people find meaning if the majority doesn't find meaning into it and i, I think Represent like ha like uh, your head, uh, the president's personality kind of reflects the majority of the country. Uh, so yeah, that that's one of the biggest uh, problems. Like of course, if you go to Turkey, you will see oh there are a lot of great little initiatives here and there. There are great companies to work at, and sometimes when I just talk bad about turkey to my parents they say oh no we're, we're really good at this we're really good at that i mean that's great but if the most like if i can only control who's going to administer me and he's not a person that i can look up to 
then the rest of the stuff like can be destroyed in a couple of years. You know, there's no security, sense of security in terms of, you know, the future. Um, I think that's one of the main reasons why uh, living in Europe or living in North America feels more deserved because like, it just feels like, oh, work hard and you'll eventually get what you deserve. But in Turkey, it's not. Uh, no, I find so many people have degrees in North America that my friend was talking about that in uh, one of my more recent uh, podcasts, how at a lot of these high, uh, you know, Yale, Harvard, uh, Cornell, yes. these high Ivy League schools, there's pressure to graduate a student no matter what and give them grades because, well, they paid half a million dollars to go to school. Yeah, yeah. You kind of have to give them a degree, don't you? And then what's that degree worth? I know so many people who have a degree in psychology, uh, social sciences, um, even, even engineering to a certain a certain extent, right? They yeah. go into other jobs, they do trades, they open businesses. <clears throat> there's only so many jobs out there anyway that 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 we can have, but there's a thousand degrees. But I, that aside, it does make sense that if you're a public servant, right, you should have some sort of background in saying, look, this is why they're an administrator, right? They are an administrator. Because they don't, yeah. a president doesn't really know anything. A president or prime minister or whatever doesn't have to know how everything works. There's have to be somebody who's like the ultimate project manager. That's who you want there, right? Yeah. You want a project manager who can say, this is all my people. This is everything that's going on. This is what we need to get done yeah. and give out reports. You need that. You know what you I mean? That. Like, and then the health minister and whatever is like your engineers and your, and your, your technicians and your whatever who go out there and do the, the actual work. But Anyway, we're not going to solve the. There, there's so many issues to. to <laughs> you're talking about talking bad about Turkey. I could talk back about talk bad about issues in Canada and, and Quebec. Of course, like I, I have to say this. Like Canada makes me realize that, like world is like I, I felt when I was in Turkey. I was like, oh, okay, Turkey is probably not the best country to live. I'm pretty sure there are a lot better countries to live in. And when I came to Canada, I'm like. Oh, okay. I guess there aren't that many great places to live outside Turkey because Canada is nicer, but I would expect it to be even more nicer. And it's not at the level that I guess I was dreaming when I was a child or when I was in high school. Um, Same yeah. here, Akan. I'm I'm disillusioned to Canada too, and I was born in it. And just finding out that you can't get like where I am, I think the maximum internet I can get is 50 Mbps. I know it's a first world issue, but come on. I can only get 50 megabits per second. I, I hope Bell's <laughs> going to have five years soon, but I live in Brossard right off the bridge. How do I not have <laughs> 100 Mbps? But little things like that that you realize when you grow older that things aren't all that special and different. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, when I was a child, for example, you know, I was super into space. I went to a space camp in Turkey. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, we went to moon. In, in late in 69 and i guess we we are going to build on that then when you look at the history nothing happened like up to what well, elon like, uh, of course stuff happened but elon musk is pushing a lot harder and when i was a child i was always expecting this gradual improvement towards space and human civilization upgrade but it is not like it's just mild and i guess at that time it happened due to political motivations and it's just been glorified glorified as something that is normal in our you know civilization growth but i don't think it is and that's very disappointing like 
I don't know. What do you think? But no, I, I think, sorry, my, my, my dogs are barking here. So I'm <laughs> okay. yelling, yelling back to my wife and uh, asking her to please keep them quiet. So these little barkings you hear is uh, a <laughs> little irritations I get sometimes. I love them though, but no, I, you're talking about, about things going, uh, I guess, expecting us to be the Jetsons by, by this time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, but if you think about it, what that brought was a lot of technology and innovation that went into getting there gave us a lot of our, our, our advanced materials that we have today. A lot of technology, computers, internet, everything kind of came yeah. from this space race that we had, this, oh, yeah. this need and necessity to get there. And that's the problem. We we're talking before, Hakan, about like, why don't we learn an instrument, right? Yeah. Well, why? Why? I'm not going to become uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I'm not going to become <laughs> LeBron James if I start playing basketball now. Why am I going to do it? I, that's almost the adult mentality of like, what value, what, what do I gain yeah. out of this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas a kid, you're like, you know, let's play. But it's, it's akin to that. Why do we do it as a society, right? And right now I find this energy, clean energy, um, that, that the US-China tensions are really pushing it as well. But I mean... I think we saw a big influx and we're getting towards Moore's law where all of a sudden technology is slowing down in terms of its progression. But China has been doing some tests with quantum, uh, with yeah, quantum with technology fusion. Uh, and, fusion. and fusion, both. Fusion, yeah. they, 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 I think they have, uh, I think it's Korea that has a reactor that burnt hotter than the sun. Yeah. And, but I think it, maybe, I don't know how long it lasted. It's like the longest ever. Maybe that's 15 picoseconds or some ridiculously small amount, but we're getting there. They're yeah. talking about having, and and that's what you need to be able to ship up to like Mars or something to run a Martian colony, yeah. to propel a spaceship or something like that. So we're we're getting there. I'm not saying we're going to go, uh, you know, uh, build a Starship Enterprise, but I think <laughs> in our lifetime, I definitely think there's going to be some sort of mining operation happening on on, on the moon or Mars so. or something. Like, yeah, I mean, of course, like there's this growth, uh, but. Uh, I guess it just comes to the internet issue that, that you were saying, you know, like in life, we have these great technologies. And as, as a child, you think when something is invented, it will come to your household within 10 years or something like that. Yeah. Or maybe like the way we perceive past kind of disrupts like the way we see future. Because when we look at past, okay, TV was invented. Then TV was everywhere. Like uh, cars were invented, cars were everywhere. But of course, it took many years, trial and errors, and things like that to come to a point. And right now, you would expect um, like everyone to have great internet speed, or you would expect people not to deal with uh, the most simple problems, or for example, not having power or anything. Mm. But our like most fundamental problems are still around us, and I guess seeing it kind of makes you feel like okay, like we're kind. I, I just makes me feel like I was fantasizing, uh, world being this ideal Jetsons uh, time. You know, like I thought it was going that way without having imperfections, but I, I guess being an adult just makes you accept the world with imperfections and these little fundamental problems that we are seeing not in africa but in montreal <laughs> uh I mean, for the, example yeah. are acceptable but the problems like you said are the fact that there's problems in africa and europe and in asia <clears throat> all across the world right and this communication of trying to get people working together you know what i mean i find is, is really lacking 
Because we could, I think. I think we could educate people a lot more. We could grow more. We just don't necessarily know how to adapt to it. But we could do a lot more research. We could have people doing more things. If you think about what money really is, right? Apart from yeah. the growth and, and time value of it and whatever, it's people's efforts. It's people bring value people, people yeah. working and doing something with their time. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think you have 7 billion people on the planet. If you had like a world government type thing, you know, like a true world government body that could at least kind of say, hey, this is what we should be doing. Uh, you know, Turkey, maybe Turkey's main export should be something else because, you know, they shouldn't be building an Apple company. We don't need them to build an Apple company. Yeah. It's the best thing the land and the people could do and whatever. But I, it's human nature. You, you have it's to deal nature, with human yeah. nature. And I think that's what adulthood has taught me is all these idealistic things we're good on paper, but then you have regulations like the car, for example, when the car first came out and then it went everywhere. Well, I think something happened to make cars go everywhere. I think that was probably the world war where they started manufacturing well, tanks yeah, and whatever. And now they we had these, these things in place to, to, to build it. Let's give everybody a car. Cause before that you had farmers complaining cars had to pull over within, I think like a kilometer or something of like a horse and buggy. Like let the Whoa. farmer pass by to not scare the horses. You have to put wow. a covering on the car. It was insane. The regulations, but it makes sense because people are afraid. Like AI, especially right now, people are talking about like AI and just computer security and cybersecurity in general. It's scary what could happen. Yeah. What a country could do. Like I'm afraid of what North Korea could really be doing right now with like, <laughs> you know what I mean? With with uh, just hacking hacking things, cybersecurity technology. <laughs> it's, it's fire it's like prometheus and fire right it's it's nice to want to bring it down from the heavens and give to everybody but uh who knows what can happen and that's 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 the two bodies we have in in society right the innovators and the people saying whoa 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 careful yeah. it's not the <laughs> i mean yeah like we were afraid of a lot of things and uh i guess at that time it's just that if that Fear brought security and some mom momentary uh, good feelings, uh, but of course, you know, as human race, we are like, uh, you know, growing all together. And at the end of the day, we are one entity. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I think when you look at the world from that, our growth is uh, amazing. And uh, I guess we are really afraid of ourselves. That's why we are afraid of AI. Because AI is something that's made of our data. Mm. Uh, like, if everyone was good, why would AI be bad? Like, we are afraid of AI being unpredictable because it's gonna outsmart humans. Because that's what a clever person do. You know, clever person would probably just want to feel might might want to feel better than like mediocre people, and they like they can go into bad ways like i mean i was playing cyberpunk and in cyberpunk for example they had these wars in the past and ai's caused wars so they create this like wall in their internet to keep ais away and ais like they everyone like is scared of ais because it, like it, it is something that grows uh, by our data by itself and uh, it can have bad human motives because there are a lot of bad humans in the world. Yeah. There's a lot of bad humans in the world. I, I think that's a very good, I'll say bad humans. I, I think, I think one of the realizations, I know you're big into psychology as well. Jung yeah. talked about that a lot, but one of the first steps to understanding yourself is to admit and understand that you have that great evil inside you as well. Yeah. You know I mean? At least the logic, not necessarily the capacity or willingness to do it, 
but you talked about AI taking over the world. I'm sure you can imagine if you were an AI sentient being, how you might take over the world, right? You can yeah. start imagining it. You've seen movies, you've seen things, you have that yeah. inside your brain, right? So um, yeah, it's very scary to, to know what uh, what would happen if, if we unleashed that part of it onto ourselves and found out that maybe AI would say that war is necessary for us to have growth. So war is the nece a necessary evil. But in the end, I would hope that we, that, you know, just from the collective weighing of all of our, all of our data and everything that AI could eventually be used for good. But yeah, you're right. If you can, and ah, kind of rambling here, but it's almost like nothing is really good or bad inherently, right? Things just sure are. a book's a book, yeah. knowledge is knowledge, but how you use that knowledge, you know, you could use a nuclear reactor to, you know, uh, feed everybody and to, to power everybody's homes or build the bomb and destroy your enemy. Yeah. So what are you going to use that technology with? What are you going to use that for? Yeah, like I guess with the exception of uh, actual psychotic people, like I think even the bad people have their reason why of doing those things. You know, why not having the same ethics that let's say good people have? Like they might have like a tragedy, or they might have they might be trying trying to save something for themselves, and uh, and uh, I, I guess that's the thing. Like we don't agree on ethics on a lot of things. That's why. Like we, ethics is a big thing, you know, it's, what is the concept of good and evil? It's never agreed on. And that's why, like, if AI was this entity about human mind, like, it will be, like, it can act in a similar way. You know, it can decide to kill, I don't know, 100,000 people to save 1 million people. But how would people react in that moment when 100,000 people killed, you know, like, you know, you know that's the trolley question. That's the biggest. Well, I, mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I agree, but we do that every day. With the U.S., yeah. does that with drone strikes? We do that with COVID suicide rates up or because because of COVID. We've deemed that it would do less harm because of the lockdown to be able to protect people from COVID from the pandemic yeah. than to protect them from fentanyl overdoses, from suicide, from other things. And look, I'm. I don't want to, uh, it's a very complex situation and yeah. right depends on province to province, country to country. But in general, it just highlights the fact that you have to make a tough decision, right? Yeah. Whereas, you know, with an AI, we almost put, we almost see it as being like a, a new God type thing, something that's so advanced and we just don't understand it, that it will take care of everything for us. And that's, that's dangerous because yeah. that's not what we need to do. We need to take more responsibility in our hands and realize the only people that are going to get something done who are going to change society is, you know, you, me and you. Yeah. True. Yeah. I mean, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think uh, like <laughs> in my lifetime, I would get destroyed by AI as Elon Musk or all the tech <laughs> leaders say. Uh, but yeah, of course, I think like the, our improvement in energy field uh, and technology is a lot promising because I remember when I was a child, like there were always these fear tactics, uh, scare tactics about, oh, like oil is running out. How are we going to power our stuff? I mean, there's so many ways of doing, but people weren't mentioning it back then because oil was this top commodity in early 2000s when, you know, US was invading Iraq and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, like, and that, that's what I was thinking. Like, of course, like I was believing in renewable energy and everything, but I, I, I was, when I was a child, I was scared that, oh, we will have no power or we would 
our growth might kind of hindered uh, due to depletion of uh, you know resources, and it can still. But at the same time, I think uh, like humans are quite resilient. Yeah. Uh, of course, like seven billion is a lot of people. So eventually, if if something bad happens, I don't think in the short term or like inconceivable time period, I I don't think anything like Hollywood-esque would happen and we would just vanish. I don't know. Of course, for like Göbekli Tepe, people vanish. You don't know what happened to those people in those early civilizations. Uh, but that's a good that's a that's a good point and and even if uh, let's not get into that if people survive from ancient civilizations to teach people stuff and whatever but um definitely i i would worry more about if something happens whether or not humanity could kind of bond together and figure stuff out together you know what yeah. i mean that's really what it would come down to that kind of world government i said before if everything goes wrong and information gets lost and 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 a catastrophe happens how would we get together? But I think we would eventually. I, I would hope yeah. we do eventually. But I think this last year, 2020, I haven't gotten that far in my maturity and my wisdom yet. <laughs> right <laughs> now, it's it's more a view of um, uh, uh, a little bit pessimistic towards the tribalism of people. Like I was talking about bylaws before. You, yeah. you see it on any scale, any scale. You see it at, at, at in the office, not at not at BBA that much. Not in our company, I really like our company for that. It's not as it's not as gamey. I find as a lot of other places. Yeah, but you get in life anyway. You get people disputing at uh, municipal level, provincial level, um, uh, federal level, then on the world scale, then in your own household, then in with your friends. Yeah. Everything becomes like a power struggle at a certain point. That yeah, I don't I don't know how to resolve that. But technology and information helps. Being able to talk That's like sure. this, being able to get a pers more perspectives on on you know what other people learn and what other truths are. You know, because the media does show us what they want to show us about the oil, about anything, you know, depending on what sources you follow. I mean, you might buy all that QAnon stuff that gets force fed to you by wherever QAnon stuff comes from. I have, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know where, I don't know where that is. It's not in like YouTube or anything, right? It must be on some weird website. I don't know about, but uh, yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> crazy stuff, honestly. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think overall, especially in this year, we just need our space a bit more, like, uh, because I think we all need that. You know, we all need to let everyone enjoy and do their things on their own and have our things on for uh, on our own. Like, because at the moment, like, we are all in the same situation and that's great. There's a lot of empathy and everything, but um, especially I feel that about my pro productivity. I just... I tie up every like I think everyone ties up every negative thing in their life to COVID now, and I just want that to end because I think that to me it kind of makes me uh, delay some of my problems or just act like oh it's gonna be a lot better when COVID ends. Maybe there are just problems that are directly related to me. It's tough to evaluate those at the moment, so that's what I yeah. hope for COVID. To, you know, so that we can all look at our lives and continue build, build on that of course we still continue to build like i, I career-wise i think it was a it was my best year but uh for example productivity like i just don't like i wish i was more productive but yeah. no i hear you uh, i hear you 100 it's 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 also difficult because 
you're right. You're right. There's it's a two pronged thing, right? The double edged sword. You have um, the excuse of oh, I'm not able to be productive yeah. uh, because of COVID and everything's going on. So why start now? Blah blah blah. When you could be doing a lot. You could be taking small steps to do whatever it is you want to do, yeah. to read more, to get more articulate, to get more uh, knowledgeable, or to learn a skill at home. You could be doing it. But a lot of things that you might want to be doing are external things as well. If you want to be more social, you want to be more outgoing, yeah. you want to be more adventurous, you want to try more places. You, and, and at a certain point, as and psychology has taught me this too, as much as you want to think something, if you don't act it, you don't experience it, you don't test it, it it's not really true. Yeah. Like, like that's like an ethical conundrum. You can be the most kind, holy person you want inside. If you've never had a chance to test it, is it true? You know, how, yeah, are you yeah, actually yeah. a good person? So I think that's the thing that would help people too is for COVID. Also a sense of routine. I think a lot of people have lost routine because of COVID. Routine, yeah. And our circadian rhythms are, are based on, on routine in some way. And losing that, it loses our... Our ability to fit things in, everything becomes yeah. chaotic, right? But yeah, that's on us too. You can build a routine, you know, and and oh, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it comes to that <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, COVID. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, uh, we're talking about productivity before, and uh, uh, speaking of productivity. Um, and projects and whatever. Do you have any other projects you're thinking about? You talked about kind of doing some videos in Montreal at one point, which I guess you're not able to to, to do now. But uh, what, what's your what's your next big project? Um, yeah, I mean, like uh, I, I guess I just want to, you know, have more mobility. That's why I'm, I guess my project is to get my license. Uh, and open up opportunities for me to have like different random encounters uh, when I buy a car. So that, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I that's that's how I see having a car because, like, thankfully, well, not thankfully, but I, I was just so used to not having a car. But at at the same time, for example, like yesterday, we went to with my friend. We went to um, Point Claire and. Get some Greek food uh, and eat it in the car, and you know, I, I was like, "Of course, it is not like a revolutionary thing or anything, but it was something that I did for like the first or the second time. So it was a good experience, and I live for the experiences. So that's why I think uh, having a car will open up a room of uh, room for having more uh, experiences. Not like because life is not about you know just doing a sport or playing games or you know having the routine uh that's that's how i see weekends it's about having experiences because having routine everyone can do that you know like but everyone's experience will be different and having something different just makes you feel i guess more special and that makes living worth for i would say (laughs) i agree i think routining a weekend apart from maybe saying you want to work out first thing in the morning or meditate yeah. before going to bed. Like it's good to have habits, right. To, to, to maintain them. Yeah. But yeah. But the routine to weekend, I mean, I, I wouldn't see that for myself unless maybe I, you know, if I had kids, obviously that changes everything completely. Yeah. I think having kids, you're just a completely different person. You're in a completely different world. It's that experience. Like we said before, changes you in a way that, that I don't understand at least yet, but yeah, definitely. I like hearing that. Hakan. That's a great, uh, great attitude living for experiences. I like that. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like I mean, my friend after that stayed at my place. Blah blah blah. I I will remember it, and I will reminisce it like in the future. I'm like, oh, you remember the first day of? I will never forget about the curfew because like I have a good like good uh, memory about it. But if I just followed it 100 percent and not see people for a month. I will probably have PTSD about it and just want to delete that from my memory. <laughs> it's a good point. Huh? Selective memory on our uh, <laughs> events. Huh. Yeah, I, I think uh, like if we can just tie up to the difference between Turkey yeah. and uh, North America. I think Turkey, in, you have a lot more experiences and like these little one-time stories. And in North America, you have a better routine, more security, less more predictability uh so you can build your personality uh, in a more systematic way maybe you can you know you you can like make like a rpg character or something but in turkey it's like you can have random encounters and build your personality in a complete different way i think that's also a big difference mm. between turkey and uh, north america so it's more chaotic in a good way. There's just more opportunity for collisions of. Well, it's a more dense of a city too. I mean, let's let's be let's be fair too, though. Istanbul yeah. compared to Montreal, maybe we should compare Istanbul to New York City. Because yeah, New York City, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. because I mean, Montreal is kind of, especially the downtown. It's not that hustle bustle. I find it's pretty tame oh. compared to other big cities, even Toronto or New York. So. Yeah, 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 like in comparison to Toronto, uh, like uh, it's it's nothing. Uh, Vancouver downtown is super small, but I would say Vancouver is still faster, but it's it's a lot smaller than Montreal. I love that. I love Vancouver downtown. The few times I've I've gone there and just stayed uh, in the downtown area, kind of walking distance to work, beautiful. But then again, I've I've never had the experience of being in like a little apartment condo type thing, whatever, oh, yeah. and being able to walk to work five, 10 minutes away. I've always been busting Metro my entire life. So the, the, the ability to walk to work is definitely a, definitely a fun one. Uh, yeah. Walking to work is definitely fun, but um, especially like uh, I talked about this with Dario because like he also, you know, there for a temporary period of time and and also some other people and none of them wants to live in downtown because of this you know social difference that we talked um so yeah if i move there permanently i would probably just move towards southern vancouver and just take the sky train or something well, <laughs> money money also i mean even I, I money took, also yeah i, I took a look and i was taking a look all the way out to, to port coquitlam type thing uh, oh yeah built a train because yeah, you, you forget about it. Otherwise, you're talking about what, like, probably like two grand rent just to get like a bachelor apartment in Vancouver. So. Oh yeah, I mean, my apartment is yeah two k. Uh, it's so small. Uh, it's on Granville. Uh, that's not necessarily a good thing because Granville, that street might be, or like that avenue might be the worst. Really, I thought the end of that. Granville. There was a really good uh, couple of bars by the water at the end of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the water like like the seasides are always great, but the that Granville with you know neon old signs and stuff like the Saint Catherine of Vancouver is just at the moment I guess especially after COVID is just filled with uh, homeless people and right. just smells pee all the time and you just I sometimes walk from there to go to work and. I just feel a bit like, oh, I have to be careful. Like the, the good thing about uh, homeless people in Vancouver, I would say they don't like ask 
a lot from you or they don't come to you that often. Like in Montreal, I had a lot more stories with uh, homeless people than Vancouver. Okay. Yeah, me too. Especially like, man, not to make light of it, but there's always that guy who went around Montreal with a banana pretending to be a gun. I oh, forget yeah. his name, but I have a couple of pictures of him at random times. He was around for, for many times, but uh, uh, it was a creative way to try to, he joked about it. He didn't actually try to stick you up. He was like, oh, it's, it's a banana gun. Give me some money. And <laughs> people usually gave him some cash, took a picture with him, but whatever. It's creative. But uh Let's 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 wrap to wrap up here, especially about uh, uh, Turkey and everything. We've talked a lot about world problems, issues. Uh, I guess comparisons, some some positives, some negatives. Maybe a little bit more negatives too, uh, especially lately there. But uh, let's end at least with a couple of positive notes, Akan. So, what would be your top two or three things that if somebody were to go to Turkey, you'd say I suggest you go check this out. Uh yeah, I mean, obviously, Bosphorus, like the bridge area or like, you know, the seaside in Istanbul is amazing. Um, you know, what, just what, what, what exactly about it? Uh, what, what is it? I mean, the, the Bosphorus Bridge is the bridge that ties up Europe to Asia. Okay. And uh, like there's a sea in the mid, uh, in between the continents. And, you know, there are a lot of nice restaurants, houses, you know, boroughs, like life around that seaside. Uh, so it just feels, you know, great. Like, you know, you see like, you know, the birds, you see some nice houses, you see like <laughs> trees and everything. So uh, nature-wise, and uh, I guess uh, it's quite different. Uh, it's, 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 it's a European thing like you would probably see similar stuff in uh, you know portugal or in uh, or i don't know in uh, venice uh, uh other than that food obviously uh yeah like cu- culinary wise istanbul it's you know amazing uh we have like southeastern turkish food we have uh more asian style um uh, olive oil based uh, vegetables and fish food uh we have uh northern turkey like uh black sea style fish kebabs uh and regional foods and you can always found fusion food like uh, the best burger i had of course like in america i had like in the states i had great burgers but i would say in turkey there are a lot of great burger places too, or pizza places. You know, I th- I think like Istanbul is great in terms of that. You know, when you have a big city, like it's like in New York, you can find hundreds of different uh, culinary restaurants. Um, and uh, on top of it, history. Uh, you know, because it's pretty uh, okay maintained. I would say, you know, going to the historical site. Um, uh, you know, seeing all those old places, if you're interested, uh, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if someone wants to go to Turkey, I would suggest them to have a co- contact there to make them see around. Because uh, if you just go there as a tourist, you would have a great time, but you would enjoy more. You would have like the, the, the those experiences mm. uh, if you are with someone. Yeah, if you go by yourself, you will have a routine. But if you go with like with me or like with someone you know, uh, you can have experiences. You can try weird stuff because there's someone to someone there to 
make sure that it's all good and you're safe and no one is going to you know take an advantage of you because you don't speak turkish that's smart though i just always have like a local contact at least to tell you look go to this place go to that place you know yeah. for example I, i guess it depends who you get they might tell you certain things are overrated tourist traps like schwartz here in montreal <laughs> <laughs> i like schwartz <laughs> i don't know i don't find it that much better than a good a good smoked meat at uh at dunn's or some other places uh, i like ben, dunn's ben's, too. ben's was good they they closed down i think were you around when uh when ben's, ben's. was here no uh i i ate at the dunn's rubens Mm. uh schwartz and the place just across schwartz i forgot Moish. its name moises Moish. Moish, yeah yeah moises was it wasn't different uh than schwartz i guess i like duns uh a lot too like uh if i eat once in a while yeah uh, they're all the same like i mean it's not a super complicated food but... no no but i mean still yeah a local guide could help direct yeah. you to things you don't want to necessarily go to it's not worth to spend 50 for that tour going up there just you know drive up here yourself and I'll show you the mountain. You get the same view for free, you know? So you get to know from a guide the the, the tips and tricks and what to, what to avoid. <laughs> is there anything within like a couple hour drive of Istanbul, like uh, historical sites? Uh, well, how far is Ankara from? Ankara is like uh, four or five hours by drive. It's like Montreal, Toronto. Okay, that's pretty far. Uh, but like I don't know, I hate Ankara so much. But the, the only good thing about Ankara is like having uh like Ataturk's monuments and stuff because I mean it's the capital, so uh, Ataturk did a lot for Ankara. But other than that, the culture there is very uh, uh right wing and uh, okay, and it's, okay. <laughs> it's And like it's like Salt Lake City. It's, it has that same weather. It's it's so annoying to me. I don't know. I liked Salt Lake City a lot when I went there. <laughs> I went for the FL Schmidt conference. I really, uh, I like it. It was, a, it was a clean town. It was nice. It was well lit. Um, people were pretty friendly. You had to show your passport to get into a bar, of course, and whatever. But really? uh, yeah, 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 makes sense. And they only served one drink at a time. That's uh, they don't serve doubles. You couldn't couldn't order two. You couldn't say bring me another drink in five minutes. It didn't work that way. They're very strict on on alcohol there. Well, because because of Mormons, Mormons, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, I think they didn't used to let uh, people drink, and now they they are. So it's good for their economy, I guess. But uh, okay, so it's not uh, as a visitor though. Somebody who's not looking to set down roots in Ankara and become an Ankaran citizen type <laughs> thing and live there. Is it still a nice place, or is it just very? business like what uh, uh it is very like political like you see a lot of big minister build ministry buildings uh i mean it, it is clean because you know Erdogan lives there you know it's yeah it has i think government control is top there obviously so it has that nice quality to it um yeah, if you're interested in ataturk go there if you're not there's nothing to see i would say uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> uh because Before Ataturk, Ankara was nothing. You know, Ataturk made Ankara capital. Before that, it was all about Istanbul, Istanbul. But Ankara is strategically right, like not in exactly middle, but it's pretty like you know close, like equally spaced to all big cities. Hmm. Um, I would say, like you can go to Black Sea region. It's it's like you know. Uh, Banff, I, I would yeah. say it's like uh, British Columbia. It's pretty green. Like there are a lot of mountains areas. Uh, the food there was really interesting. You can have 
like many different types of food. And um, of course, people there are also a bit, um, you know, uh, less educated and, uh, and uh, right-winged. But you wouldn't like feel that, I, I guess, as a tourist, because that's how they make money off in general, in mm-hmm. addition to agriculture. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like there are a lot of places to go in Turkey. But if I were to go there once, I would probably go to uh, Istanbul uh, for sure, and uh, and probably just go to uh, Bodrum. Uh, Bodrum is like a, a sea town uh, right on Aegean side, so it's like. Greece, but from a Turkish perspective, mm-hmm. I, I haven't been to Greece, so I don't know which side is better. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I like Bodrum area. Okay. Uh, Istanbul and Bodrum would be yeah. If you, and Cappadocia, yeah, Cappadocia. You have to if you go to Bodrum, Istanbul, and Cappadocia, you would like you will have enough uh, you know perception about what to enjoy in Turkey. Of course, you wouldn't have the reality <laughs> check much because there are all these great touristy places. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say go to Antalya, my hometown, but it's 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 hotter than the uh, Asian side uh, and, and the Mediterranean is uh, more salty. People don't like to swim uh, in Mediterranean that, that much. They prefer Asian Sea a bit okay. more. It's, it's, Why, a bit colder. it's nicer water, calmer, warmer? It's colder, a little bit colder, um, and less salty. So you know, like, uh, and yeah, in Antalya, especially in August, the temp, the water temperature is like twenty-seven degrees or something. It's just when you when you go in, you don't feel anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? Yeah, if it's like forty degrees outside, I wouldn't want to yeah. get twenty-seven degree water. But coming from Canada, where the best water temperature you can get is in bc and even then you need a wetsuit to go for a swim in the ocean yeah uh i'll take anything i'll take any any nice warm body of water (laughs) Uh, yeah i always wanted to swim uh, but i was a bit late uh, in vancouver i couldn't swim but uh hopefully one time i want to swim at uh, the wreck beach in ubc and that's that seemed like the cleanest place that you can swim at because it's right at the like it's it's very at the edge of that like Vancouver area because mm-hmm. like the downtown area it's it's it seemed a bit it seems a bit more dirty. Uh, well, get ready for a lot of uh, old naked men and women at the uh, oh yeah at Wreck Beach. That's what it was like last time I went there. Is, is it Canada's only nude beach or one of? Yeah, M- might be. And yeah, I, I we went there, uh, but yeah, it was pretty creepy. Like. Um, like it, it, it was, and it was always like old white dudes just you know walking around and <laughs> and there are some guys that are like oh you want weed you want snacks I'm like no we don't get away like <laughs> sounds like was, Jamaica not 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 BC jeez <laughs> yeah and the thing is it was like late October or something like I can't imagine there during summer like must be crazy. Mm. I, I think it is one of the less pot, one of the less um, visited beaches, though. Just because UBC is not exactly the easiest thing to yeah. get place to get to either, right? It's not like Capsalano, Capsalano Beach, Caps Beach, uh, Kitsilano, Kitsilano. There you Kitsilano. go, Kitsilano. <laughs> Oof, I, I should know. You know what? That's the rich area. I don't care if I don't know the rich area beaches. <laughs> yeah, Kits, Kitsilano is a great area. Like, 
I uh, I love uh, what, what was it Sunset Beach, but what, what, English Bay, English Bay mm, area, yeah. like oh, that, yeah. that area was great too. Um, I mean, just to chill at, they're all great beaches to yeah. be, be at. Uh, yeah, but of course, swimming in ocean is never that fun, anyways. Unless, like you know, maybe in Caribbean it's a bit nicer. But <laughs> I've been to LA, I've been to Miami. Like in comparison to Turkey, they were so shitty to swim. Around. I can I can imagine. The Caribbean is nice, right? Caribbean, you get a lot of nice fish. You get uh, uh, just sights when you go snorkeling and warm water and and the colors. But even in LA or North uh, North Carolina. North California, yeah. A lot of snorkeling in the Mediterranean or not really? Oh, uh, yeah, there are a lot of snorkeling, yeah. You can do it. Along the, the shore, do you have to go further out usually? Uh, there are a lot of key, keys, I guess that's key. I don't know what do you call, you know, like. Key? I think it's a key. key yeah. yeah, there are a lot of keys, like in the Aegean on the Mediterranean side. So you can go in those and you know uh, snorkel or you can do in the open sea as well mm. uh like it depends on like uh, what do you want to see uh, I, I mean I, I haven't done it that much I did snorkeling a little bit uh, because my dad had like a nice speed boat so we were like just uh, boating around Antalya and uh, yeah, I remember seeing a lot of careta caretas you know the sea turtles <laughs> <laughs> they're called caretas in uh Careta, careta. Careta, careta. Okay. Uh, yeah. Nice. You say it twice for some reason. <laughs> really? <laughs> careta, careta. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, you uh, didn't know you're gonna have to be a travel agent today, did you, Hakan? All these questions about uh, <laughs> Turkey and. Uh... <laughs> I mean, I've been thinking about Turkey a lot, honestly. Uh, I guess because it's been so long since I've been there. Uh, so yeah, I mean. And I've been spending a lot of time with my Turkish friends in Montreal and, and with my girlfriend. So I'm super Turkish these days. Uh, but I guess as soon as I go back to Vancouver, I will have that Anglophone personality coming back. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, good. And then, and then eventually, are, are you coming back to Quebec at, at, at what point? Are you planning to come back to Quebec yet or not really? Uh... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tough decision. Like, you know, I was banging my head against walls about thinking this but I, I think for now I'll come back in summer and uh, live here for another year uh, or something mm -hmm. and then just evaluate my options and um, I guess I'm more leaning like I, I'm saying that uh, like I'm at a point where I don't want to be tied up by you know my job or my, mm -hmm. my things even in, at that point, if I don't have a chance to go back to BBA Vancouver or like you know work at the same field, I'll just bring all my stuff and just move there. You know, spend my savings a little bit and find a job that I want. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just want to have that like feeling, that feeling of freedom. You know, I don't want to feel like I don't want to be tied down by sometimes. My career choices, you know, like if I want to, if I really want to live there, I, I'm gonna go. That's that's how that's how I see. And right now, I think I really want to go because simple things is tough in Quebec for some reason. Like small things, I it kind of bothers me in the long term. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I would probably move this summer if I could, but my girlfriend's sister is still studying at Concordia, and I don't want to drag my 
girlfriend with me and make them be away because his uh, sis, uh, her sister will, uh, also wants to move to BC. Nice. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think I will add two more months to my existing contract and then just come back and live here for another year. Uh, Sounds like a good plan. Uh, <clears throat> you can't be tied down by by everything, right? And especially in the day and age like 2020, with technology, with everything we have for working remotely and everything, there, there has to be ways to to uh, to make things work. Do you know what I mean? And if yeah. not, like you said, things don't work out in life. It's not a fit. Things aren't a fit. Things aren't a fit, and you have to follow what's best. Uh, what's best for you? Yeah, ex- exactly. Like. I just because I would feel resentful about my work or my job in the long term if I just stay here. It, be, it is because the job that I can get or just the job that I just want, want to have the security of. You know, like if I have to take risk to live in Vancouver, I, I will take it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say, basically. Nice. Nice. Would you go anywhere else in BC? Have you had a chance to visit? The- uh, I. I didn't have much. I've been to Whistler and I just saw Squamish a little bit, uh, but I'm a city person. So <laughs> I think I would uh, move to Vancouver. Um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things going like going in my mind now. Like sometimes, um, like when I get my Canadian citizenship, I just even sometimes thinking about moving to Australia because <laughs> if you uh, apparently for people under the age of thirty-five, you can get like a work permit in, from Australia for like two years or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> and I I I just love Australia from outside. I've never been there, but. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm in process engineering. Mining is big in Australia. I may, I can probably find jobs there. So, if when I become a Canadian citizen, I may even just move to uh, Australia for a couple of years just to have the experience. Hey, why not? There's a lot to learn. A lot of different ways of doing it too. There's just even just approaches and methodologies and logic are are much different between Australian firms and Canadian firms, right? So it's it's good to also see how they do things and that'll help you grow even if you don't stay there for two years. It's Like you said before, you get a little bit of experience from moving to a new place. It's yeah, crazy. exactly. And as you do it, you crave it. You know, that's what I think. Like um, when you get used to living outside where you were born and, you know, you just want to do it more. You, like I, It's not like you get bored. It just becomes like a little habit, you know, like, I I lived in Fort Mac. I'm living in Vancouver. You know, if I come back to Montreal, I don't. I can't. I will get bored in five years or like in two years, in three years. You know, I will want to move to somewhere else uh, to have experiences uh, because I mean I'm making a sacrifice, but I'm getting a lot in exchange, and I'm enjoying a really nice uh, city. So um, it's it's a trade off that I'm pretty peaceful with you know like not being able to see my girlfriend all the time it's a big trade-off but you know like i will always remember vancouver i will always remember october 2020 because if i were in montreal in october 2020 i will forget about it but i won't forget about october 2020 because i was in vancouver yeah good point well ken on that note uh i think we'll Start wrapping it up here. Yeah. No it was uh, great talking and uh, learned a lot about Turkey and uh, 
don't know about a little bit more about a neo nomadic lifestyle that uh, <laughs> is becoming more and more common. More and more people I know are, are are living that lifestyle and finding opportunities to test out cities by staring in Airbnbs or renting a place for a few months. And you know what? I think that's great exposure and uh, power to you for doing that, Hakan. It's uh, Thanks not so everybody much. To, to have the courage to to try new things like that, get out of their comfort zone. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, people like you always just makes me feel more welcomed and uh, makes me accepted, so that I can do these kind of uh, stuff. Because um, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing, but without external confirmation, uh, I would be a bit more hesitant <laughs> uh, about the decisions that I make. Uh, and work is a big part of my life, and uh, I, I guess. You being uh, there, uh, it just helps uh, me uh, constructing my life. Uh, so thank you for that. <laughs> oh, thank you for, for saying that, Akan. And I think that's important. I don't think there's anything wrong with seeking external validation. Um, I, I think there's an issue if your entire identity and your judgment system is based on it. And a lot of us have that issue. I myself have that issue yeah. a lot. Right? You look for somebody else to say, yeah, okay, you can do that. That's safe to do. You should do that. You shouldn't do that. But yeah. Getting external validation, you know what I mean? If it says something to you, if somebody tells you something and it makes you feel more confident, it it's good because you needed that that perspective. Yeah. You want to know that you're not being biased and you're not completely off your rocker. If you talk to somebody and say, what are you doing, Hakan? That's crazy. You shouldn't do that. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Should whoa. I not be doing it? So uh, no, it's a good reflex. It's a good uh, it's a good awareness that you have for that uh, uh, looking for for different perspectives <laughs> yeah yeah i mean life is uh quite different when you uh, after university or after school so uh, your judgment system is completely rewritten from the beginning you know shifting from grades to good jobs once in a while is just a huge change that you need to adjust and adapt and then it's going to change it's going to change it's going to change exactly that's that's the thing you have to get used to things changing it's like you might want to be something or, or whatever, but you have to get used to the fact that life changes, life transforms exactly. and we're moving towards something. So yeah. The old, what was the saying? The only thing that doesn't change is the change itself. Uh, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Akan, thanks again. Really appreciate it. And uh, to everybody listening, thank you so much.